You are tuned in to the heart stopping, pants dropping, house rocking, earthquaking, booty shaking, Viagra taking, love making, legendary going off podcast with RC, Muse, and special guest this week. <laughs> Fully evolved Mark of Twitter and TikTok fame. Sure. Let's go with that. I'm honored that that like the one you chose to do for this was uh it's 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 a foreshadowing for what we got com- coming up. Oh, uh, is in case it? you weren't aware. Yes. I'm not. All I know is it goes into 10th Avenue Freeze Out, and that's not on board in the USA. The Viagra taking East Street bands gonna yeah. be on the one we're talking about. That's true. That is true. But that's going to have to wait a second. First yes. of all, because I don't know if anyone's recognized the voice just yet. My, again, my name is Mark. I, I put out music under the name of Fully Involved. But realistically, if you've seen me from anything, it would be just very specific classic rock memes on TikTok. Uh, the first thing I did that like really got a little bit of attention in the whole algorithm uh, a couple years ago was a meme where I pointed out uh, what people do with the title track of album that shall not be named until later on uh, and how they use it for other dumb reasons, which we will get to. Yeah. Nice kind of wrapping around moments for what we got going on now. I'm glad the fixations can uh, can serve me every now and then. Did you also start the I got the old man's car? Okay, so yes and no. That's also going back a few years, but that might be a TikTok meme that someone might know about. It's very tricky describing TikTok trends instead of just showing them. Like, Especially years them. after the fact. It's like ancient history. <laughs> Everybody was using this Billy Joel audio, y'all. You'll have to believe me. Wait, remember Pirate uh, Anthems? Remember that oh, was the thing? Oh, They were, uh... Because three TikTok years is like 20 regular internet years, which is like 100, which is 150 real world years. I was on TikTok today and I heard someone using the into the thick of it sound again and I haven't heard it in like over a year and it seriously felt like I was transported 10 years into the past. Oh yeah, that that, that was just that weird moment where like in the start of 2021 we were like fuck it, backyardigans. And we yeah, need it was like something three to cope. songs of theirs were big salt were big sounds for a minute there. Okay, so I need to give context for the old man's car thing. So, uh from uh Specific Bruce Springsteen memes to specific Billy Joel memes. I'm covering the gamut here. Uh, so there was this dance. Uh, shout out uh, Max Smith, who's the person who did that. Uh, it was this like sort of tongue in cheek uh, TikTok danceified thing with uh, the song Zanzibar. So there was this old audio of I want to say like, it was maybe in the Vine era or maybe a little bit before that, where it was like, "What's our gift for number twelve? I got eighteen. Oh, I got nine point five. I got Abraham Lincoln." For some reason, I don't... And so I took that. Hey, what y'all get for number 12? I got 18. Oh, I got 9.5. I got the old man's car! And then, like, two weeks went by, and I was like, okay, that was fun. And then I woke up, and 70,000 people used it. I didn't come up with the joke template. They just thought of it themselves, where, like, all... Of, and this was in, you know, like, February 2021. And just, like, all of a sudden, people were taking this, you know, Billy Joel meme where it's just kind of, like, like, random and being like, what'd you lose during COVID? My mm. family, my friends, my virginity! Oh, no. And I was like, oh, no. And it's like, <laughs> the people using this... The people using this are, like, really young. I'm kind of uncomfortable with what I've accidentally oh. started right now. 
I'll admit this. I may have overestimated the discussion length of what I wanted to bring to the show. Uh, talking about the Eminem, uh, his record label suing a, a, a creator that Mark knows that I don't uh, for making a rap about Eminem rapping about cats using a AI ge voice generator thing. And these videos are all over TikTok of like uh joe biden and donald trump and all these i've seen especially like a video game where it's like a biden like the president's play tekken and it's like biden playing against trump yeah yeah now whenever i send one to my friend he's he always has to comment about how like this is pretty scary though because you know it feeds into like deep fake technology of like oh we're gonna be able to recognize so it's like now now with them suing, again, not for that exact reason, but for the, you're likely going to make money off of this. Eminem didn't consent to his voice being used in this program. I mean, don't you have to do that for like a GPS or whatever, right? You have to pay Snoop Dogg if his voice That's right. you know, styling is in a GPS, yeah. right? Oh, like, yeah. So it's just got me thinking, that. like, if they didn't sue, could we get a single on the Hot 100? of someone using someone else's voice to make a completely separate song that they had nothing to do with. Now, now, I think the open secret is they're already doing that, you know, just being lazy assholes and going like, no one cares, it's all digitized, we normatized it all with auto-tune anyway, so if you hear your favorite artist's voice sound a little digital, oh no, it has nothing to do with the fact that we have technology that can just, you know, digitize uh, Drake's voice. Like, yeah, that whole fucking dance album, yeah, he, he was uh, at his fucking home in Calabasas the whole time. That was uh, 40 and a couple of producers just kind of throwing together, you know, some loose vocals from songs and just kind of uh, turning it into an album, man. You know, who's going to say anything about it? You know what I mean? Like, If I had to throw a little bit of optimism in here wherever I can like as far as like you know people actually being fooled by an Eminem thing like because like it would be one thing if it was like 20 years ago in like a random mp3 you find on LimeWire or something where like there's oh, no sure, where right. there, there, there's no like there's no artist page it's all just in a vacuum but if yeah. a song were to pop up like in order for people to be fooled into thinking that there's that Eminem's on there it would probably have to have the Eminem like artist tag on there and I imagine but it would, you would it, also you, you would have that old school thing like yeah where it's just like you know how people would misattribute songs like oh Weird Al did this song and that song yeah. so like some song could get huge with an Eminem verse on it where it's just like oh i guess this is at the top 40 now because it's getting so many plays from so many people listening to it and then it's like oh shit eminem's not actually on that song that would be an insane thing to happen but my question is like would people actually be fooled if like the actual attributions on like spotify and stuff aren't there uh mm. well like i said i mean people have been fooled by you know thinking that uh, some bob marley song was by somebody else just because you know, uh, or like thinking every Jamaican, you know what I'm saying, is a Bob Marley thinking song. Thinking every you know? parody like, song is Weird Al. Right, right. Like that used to be a norm. I, I don't see that happening nowadays because like we said, like I think people have gotten more acclimated to being like, wait a minute, who is this? Where I can Wikipedia this really quick. I don't remember him having a song with Ludacris, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would take some like next level elite hacking to actually like put... C comma Eminem next to your song there in order in order to fool people. Yeah, and also like I said, I mean maybe the technology will improve at some point, but like right now it's just so obviously like not sounding like a human would talk, you know, like that is just like 
Yeah, that that's the thing. Like when I saw the John Oliver clip, where it's just like, okay, that doesn't really sound like a person saying a thing though you know yeah we're still in the novelty phase where like for example like another thing i think of with the eminem thing is that there's like this trend of like eminem is a 12th century warlord or eminem oh, is yeah. an anime yeah, or, music from uh the 14th century or something like that yeah like my personal favorite example of this since we're still in you know the, the in the fun novelty stage of this is that uh there's this channel on tiktok of course i'm bringing back to that called uh thrashachusetts and they basically do the presidents as like niche hardcore scene yeah. people. And so there's, there's just like all this stuff about like straight edge and like Kamala's in there as, as an undercover cop. And like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's and Donald is, is like going to like India to try to unlock his like chakras or something. Like, it's just like, he's like totally <laughs> like Ronald Reagan is like harassing the merch girl. And like, just, just, just like these ridiculous, you know, kind of sketches and stuff. And obviously, this is the worst that AI is ever going to be. And I don't want to open the can of worms too deep as far as the AI art (laughs) ethics debate, because, oh boy. But uh, it's the worst it's ever going to be right now. But the point it's at right now is still cute. It's still cute. Yeah. And and I guess it really does come down to you're potentially going to make money that Eminem could be making. That's the problem. Like, that's where we're going to have to stop you because, you know, you're potentially taking money out of our client's pocket. That's how this system works. Like, you can't really get them on the deeper philosophical meaning of what oh, it means no. to rip someone off. Like, no one cares about that. Like, it's just... <laughs> no, no. Yeah. We threw away that discussion with designer, you know? Like... <laughs> oh, my God. I was walking around last week, and someone seriously had fucking... Um, panda? Panda. I heard Panda blaring out their fucking car windows, and it was just like, "Wow, is this six years ago?" Yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah. Se- I mean, it is seven. It, it's yeah, twenty sixteen. Oh. to me, yeah. <laughs> because remember that, that that song came off the back of freaking Life of Pablo. Yeah. Oh my weird... god! Fuck. Yeah. 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 Jesus. Uh, it, it's, no. it's crazy. It, it's weird thinking that twenty sixteen was a simpler time, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, oh man, because he wasn't president yet, right? Like, No, not yet. <laughs> getting there, getting yeah. there. Well, he was only president for, oh, he wasn't even, uh, yeah, he wasn't president in 2017. Yeah, he wasn't actually in office. Wow. We've been doing this show for way too long. <laughs> Dude, six presidents. <laughs> <laughs> I got to bring it up uh, just so people are aware of the dynamic here. Mm. I, I have technically been watching both you guys for a solid decade. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, we've been going off. We haven't been on since episode one. <laughs> yep. I found you from uh, video platforms that don't exist anymore and websites that and websites that shouldn't. Now you just got me thinking about all the money that used to be able to be made on blip. That's just it's just not the same uh. anymore, man. We didn't know how good we had at RC. Uh, folks, uh, uh, Kofi.com slash uh, going off. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, John, I'm going to give you one support. All right. <laughs> that kind of revenue is what gets you guys uh, discussion topics like what we've got in front of us 
right Look, now. Look, it's like PBS. We are supported by viewers like you. It's just the way it is, you know. And it's, I, I think a better world for it, honestly. You know, remember you were, as much as we like to throw all this uh, love on the past. Oh, remember when Blockbuster was in charge of everything and they get to say, you know, what movies you didn't get to see? Like, no, fuck that. We're in a new age. It's a, it's a new millennium, and we now get to, you know, choose what we want. And if today is what's being requested, then let's get right to it. No, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say. I know RC already said it once, but the website's so nice. I gotta say it twice. It's Kofi.com. That's K-O-F-I.com/slash going off. That, thank you. G-O-I-N-O-F-F. And that is how you can get an album reviewed on a future episode of the podcast. And today we've got a mixed bag. We've got a listener-submitted <laughs> album, and we've got a uh, classic rock listener-requested uh, album. So naturally, the boss is going to have to be the main event. Clearly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's why we got yes. Mark here in the first place. Let's talk about the boss. We didn't have him coming yes. on here because we knew he was the number one, the world's biggest wolf quan aficionado. <laughs> I'm the head of the pack. You know, so little peek behind the curtain of what's been happening in real time this morning. So I, you know, had everything prepared for Born in the USA, which we're going to get to. But uh, it occurred to me, wait a minute. Is there going to be a second album you guys talk about today? You couldn't have uh, that much to talk about with just the boss alone. Of course not. I mean, there is a lot to talk about, but like, but, but, but listen, you know, I don't want to just be like a little kind of later, you know. That would be a bit a, a weird structural thing. So I'm like, hey, right. let me just stick around for the mm-hmm. long haul here. Uh, here is a listener submitted one. I got personally kind of curious about that because mm-hmm. you know I'm DIY artist myself. I I just got the masters back from my next record. Might plug that later on. Hey. Uh, oh, yeah. And and I'm thinking like, okay, I want to get in the headspace of someone who's being looked at critically here. My, you know, m- can't hurt to have like a a third opinion here from someone who's not Never. being you know. Mm-mm you know paid for it mm. so so let me just throw this on all, all 22 tracks 22 22 oh, and see what happens mm-hmm. um I, mm, I uh mm, ooh. you saw what happened all right welcome to the party <laughs> <laughs> we've done like i don't welcome know exactly forest. how many but i want to say we've done probably around 10 like listener yeah. submitted albums by oh, now we had to have done at least 10 that feels right that feels right and i, I just i'm sorry i was just talking about this earlier with neb i just wonder like they had to have heard those episodes where we reviewed other people's albums and i really I the wonder first one we did was called like you know don't don't forget this or something like that yeah i was actually like... gonna say the very first time we ever reviewed a listener submitted album you specifically were like, we're never doing this again. Take note of what happened here. Let this be a warning. Don't do this. Like, don't follow this person's mistake. And people were like, no, I am very willing to follow that person's mistake. And sometimes we have actually got lucky. I hate to say it. it it's a surprise. But, you know, with people from like meager, you know, they don't have a lot of like support in the in their um, equipment. Or anything, you right. don't really so you don't know want to go expect. too hard on them. You exactly. Know? I'm on my blue snowball, you know. We all got to yeah. get by. You never know what you're going to expect. I fucking saw a picture. Ti, uh, not Ti. T Pain 
shared of his recording equipment when he recorded Bartender, and it was seriously not much better than what I've got going on right now. It was a laptop in front of him, a desktop mic, and that was about it. So you never know. But um, this wasn't good. I'm trying to empathize as you know a DIY guy using his resources the best he can, and I did record what I got coming up in a bedroom home studio. Thanks to my producer, uh, buddy David. Um, but the thing is, the album was still mastered, and I think there, there there's like certain things of polish and care you can put on it, regardless of circumstance. That can, you know, make it ready for prime time. And the thing is, there are parts that do sound like that was done. So there that are kind points, of threw yeah. me off, right? It's Wolf Quan with The Forbidden Forest. And it's available on Spotify. And RC, I had to look back on the Kofi page um, to actually find out that there are some lyric videos available on YouTube. So I was able to go back and read along to some of them because they're not on Genius, uh, okay. or at least not to this album, yeah. <laughs> which is a little frustrating. It is over an hour. Um, I took notes on the Bruce Springsteen album first and then got to this and was like, oh, this is even longer than that one. Oh, by okay. a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by almost a half hour long. Um, so I was like, okay, let's, you know, dive in. And I will say... It's 22 tracks. They're not all songs. So I didn't, right. you know, I think maybe three of those tracks weren't songs. I only have notes four, for 19. Four are like, yeah, four kind are. Of. Mark helped put this into perspective because whenever we run into an album that we we look at it and we think this is going to be kind of rough for us because it's it's not fun. To get and, into and an you album that's not that great. Independent people, because it's like you know they, you know they don't have the resources. Like a rich person, they, a rich artist, they can take it on the chin. They'll be fine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's what people pay for. Also, so people pay and, for. And we are nothing but honest. <laughs> Mark made a very good point with the mastering being a bit iffy, non-existent. It really does sound like on most of these songs, as far as like, you know, our our main guy here that like he just got the instrumental from somewhere or either just like made it separately in a DAW or like got yeah. it from or, or like got it from someone uh, and then just like overlaid the vocals on top of it in yeah. audacity without any kind of mixing or like effects or anything. Th yeah, because because there will be parts with like singers or something like that. And there'll be like a little auto tune or something like that part. And I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds a little good. And then he starts and it's like, this sounded like it was recorded in a completely different studio. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I point out specifically and, you know, obviously this is jumping around a little, but like there's two songs with choruses by this guy who um. And like those are like legitimately decent choruses recorded on a very obviously better like microphone and fidelity and stuff. And like with those songs, it's like the, the instrumentals were decent, too. And I'm like, I think I'd rather just listen to, to, to more of this guy. The biggest issue I took wasn't the mixing so much. It was the um, very awkward, timid delivery. Yes, absolutely. Where it would just be like. Oh my so god! If you would have just done, yeah, it's like if you would have just done a second take and actually like sat in the pocket of the groove of that flow. Instead, it just sounds like, yeah, that sounds like the first take. That sounds like the first take. You know what I mean? I, like, I yeah. wondered after a few songs, I was like, 
Would this have just sounded better? Would this have been a better song if it just flowed better? Um, there are yeah. some instances I have written down that I don't think that would have helped exactly, but it couldn't have hurt. I mean, if we're going like track by track here, I think a perfect example is is the opener, Stress Me Out, where like, you know, it's got kind of like, it's got this decent kind of soundscapey kind of intro. And then, of course, it pulls the sample of the, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And then and then smash cut to, why you gotta go stress me out. Yeah, sounding completely unstressed out. (laughs) Zonked, even. Like like, like, like he took every bit of CBD I have on my desk right now and just chugged it. (laughs) <laughs> I was and getting stressed it is, out. It's like, and the thing about it is, I was listening. I was like, "Wait, is he British? Like, or is that the guest person?" Because it felt like it felt like that British accent was there for at least two songs and then left. Was that just me, or I noticed well, look, that if, too? If you're British, you legally have to tell us, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I picked up on that too. I wasn't really sure who was who for most of it. Um, I didn't take note of like the features unfortunately i was just kind of you know i was just vibing man (laughs) i am gonna say uh the first track was an interesting one to have a feature on because um lord hen the guy that did a guest verse on it that actually sounds like it was recorded on a discord call like lag and all it was was a it was like like for all like the you know the sort of acknowledging of the recording quality that we're giving here like that was even a step a step below that just on a sonic level and also the worst and also and also nobody yeah. should ever use the word notif as a rhyme. I'm just I'm just I'm just throwing what, that out there. What what was that about? What I Were you getting know. hints of like rhyme zone to some of it? Ah. Absolutely. And here's the thing, not just rhyme zone, but like you, you know like the kind of rhyming where you basically turn into Yoda? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. where you're you're putting the adjectives and verbs in the wrong places in order yeah. to make the rhyme fit at the yeah. end. Like, yeah. Dead dead to me you are. Bad I was feeling. You know? yeah, yeah, right, right. And the thing about it is, okay, so like the hook, what does he say there? He says, It feels like a fight is brewing, the other side is pink. Did you catch what that was? This barely rhymed, and like it would be okay if he could articulate the sentiment in at least a clear way. Because I'm trying to hear where the rhymes are and at least like what his intention is. But the four bars, like just the first part, is just so weak. And I remember the second verse being okay, but it's just so fl- sloppy and floppy with the flow, where it's just like it's like it is sub capadonna, and that is bad. Where it's just like, oh my god, do you know like one, two? Three, like, come on now, count with me. Like, you know what I mean? We're just like, come on, man. You've got, you've got to hear how this doesn't fit. You know, it's like one of those things. It's like, it's like, it's like, are you just like, is it a thing where it's like, you're just so, you know, anxious about it. It's like, fuck doing a second take. But it's just like, dude, your art is clearly suffering and you have to hear this. That's another thing that like DIY things can't really excuse is just basic kind of just just basic flow and like things that only get fixed within your head yeah 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 like it, it, you can absolutely do a second take and figure out how that flow works and do it like that isn't reliant on yeah necessarily like yeah you can do the take and if you eh, maybe mess up a little bit you could do a little bit of editing but for the most part you can figure out how you want to do that you know yeah that's not something where it's like oh well we just couldn't bring in the big enough uh sound and strings and woodwind to make that sound like no that's just a preparation thing you know the chorus of stress me out says why you gotta go and stress me out 
Every time I see you, every time I speak, it seems like a fight is brewing. The anger's at its peak. Why you gotta stress me out? Oh. It's like I'm reading it, and again, that's, you know, it's, it's fine, you know, for what it is, but it's the very, very laid back, like you were saying, taking all the CBD, couldn't be more relaxed, vocal, and it was just like, you gotta pick it up a little bit. And, you know, in a way, I almost would have preferred if it was like the pink, because that would have at least been an interesting word choice. I feel like every line, every line on this record feels like the most obvious for a tell don't show way of describing mm. it, of describing mm. the feeling, you know, mm. Uh and so, so like the whole song is just like, I'm I, you're stressing me out. I don't like you. And it's just like. It, it's just saying what it is. And st- I would be surprised if there was a single genius annotation you could put on this because it just it just is. There right, were a right, couple right. words that came up that I was like, I legitimately don't know what that word means that I could use a genius annotation for that. But again, that kind of feels like maybe rhyming dictionary came into play, which again is fine. You know, I'm not saying you can't, but sometimes it's just obvious, you know. I think rhyming dictionary should be used to like, you know, find a word that you like oh i didn't think of that word oh i could use that in this context like it had the context already has to be able to be workable it can't sound yeah. like you're working backwards you know yeah yes yeah. i got a rhyme zone bookmark there's no shame in that but no. like right. you, 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 there's got to be some tact to it seeing yeah. as that there's 22 tracks i feel like some jumping around might be needed but uh, yes. sure. i will say there are a couple i have quotes from so i'm gonna have to you know hang on those for a little bit here uh canker mm-hmm. scores I wrote down that it's incredibly frustrating, this song in particular, because the verses actually start to go somewhere and they get interesting and then they stop and then you have to hear that long chorus again. And it's not a good chorus. So for the first verse, it goes, fuck all your feelings. They can't help but have a narrative, a self-perpetuating class system we inherited Blind as a fetus can only uh, can only be an understatement. Monopoly on the conversation. We can't say shit. And then it immediately goes into never poor. And it was like, <sighs> oh, man, this again. What I put is, is that like it's hinting at some substance, but I'm just too caught up on the aggressive R enunciations to dig any deeper. You mm. know, there is yeah. some points on here where, yeah, it's like there's emphasis that kind of takes me out of it like i think there's a song later where it really is like it's one of the songs that's more interesting that it kind of takes on like racism and i was like okay now we're talking Mm, about some real mm. shit and the whole chorus is like we got to take action but it's like tonight i'm like oh oh yeah Yeah. Uh, so so yeah I like I'm trying to see what his points are, but it seems like it's like uh, like almost commentary. You know, he's like middle of rich and poor. They're giving us canker sores, you know, like and I, I kind of like the no, nice low key guitar. But I was trying to figure out, like, yeah, what really is the thesis statement like of his verses? Like, OK, so, you know, I was kind of getting here. He's like, I live in the suburbs, so my feelings are not important. The rich are glorified, but the poor are always reported. And if the world don't want to see the importance in me, then I don't want to endorse this fucking order, at least, you know, so I was like. I was like, kind of getting what it, you know, like, oh, you know, you know, middle class suburban kid, where, where, where do I fit in in the system? And it seems like it doesn't really, you know, isn't really thinking about me, you know, and, 
like it's one of those things where it's like it, it, it was trying not to be judgmental directly of like you know either's focus right especially like at least i felt with the wording right like it wasn't trying to say like oh why does everyone just care about the poor all the time you know like i felt like it was trying not to do that right with this wording but you know at the same time i was just like okay so like you know like what what is your statement then you know what i mean like that, that's what i kind of got by the end of the song you know you were kind of doing like a live message along of songs that were a particularly notable mark and it took a it took a while but you had mentioned to me the two minutes of someone just kind of crying and breathing what struck me as weird that you didn't message me about the rest in peace teeny track okay here's the thing about here's the thing about that 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 was that was playing while i was driving Um, oh okay okay uh and we'll get to how and we'll get to how this album uh played a part in the errands i went on this morning Oh, good yes i'm curious about Mm. how it was like a uh a a passenger in the car and what role it played (laughs) so let me say first and foremost with this rest in peace teeny parentheses memorial uh Mm. i actually here's the thing i do relate to the feeling that he's putting across in this song because Mm. at its core Mm. on paper it's talking about how this family cat you grew up with sort of represents like the last remnant of your simpler family life you know my my cat ethan you know i got him when i was like seven and he lived up until like two three years ago Uh, and then by then and then by then my mom and stepdad had already fucked off to the east coast so i didn't even get to see him uh so i relate hard to this feeling and i would love a song about this but the problem is that you can't can try to do that while sacrificing basic sonic tastes like at its yeah. like, when you break down what this is it's a cat meowing for, for a two solid minutes minute. two minutes for, okay yeah, for, two for minutes. two minutes yes. while a sad violin is happening and then just like a, a, a depressed monologue happens at the end and it's also like way too early in the album to have something this I, non-musical yeah. happening I don't know how this is the third track and we're already just to it's a it's a it's a minute of nothing but meowing. Then the violins yes. come in at minute two. Then for like, the no, third minute, do this. <laughs> everything drops out and you just hear like wind blowing and you you have that that poem at the end of it. It's like this is this is this either needs to be at the very end. This cannot be track three. This is ridiculous. Yeah. And like I said, it's like, I'm fine with dedicating something to your animal, but get to the fucking point. Because if you're just building all, like, you can't have this buildup for just an animal. It's the same thing with that Shannon song. It's like, there's people going to be listening to like, oh, what's this about? Oh, like, because when you, when it becomes this long, then it becomes, oh, just an animal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if it's like, if you just get to the point that it's like, oh, I've had an animal that meant something to me, too. You get to that emotion quicker. But when it's this much buildup, you're like, oh, that was just about the cat. Like, you know, Yeah, it's like I would have been with you otherwise. (laughs) It was just pure sensory annoyance. And then like 30 seconds of, oh, I get you. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. not how this kind of thing should. You you should leave them with a good taste in their mouth about about you know the the the, the stuff you're going through. Yeah, because you know? right now not I'm making annoyed any annoyed at this cat. <laughs> so the the next track, I don't really have anything particularly notable to say about. I just want to say, aside from <laughs> that, there's I just like say anything about. <laughs> I just want to say, ooh, that the that the dude's literally talking about punching drywall. 
And also, I, th- this is this is the first song actually that has like a decent chorus from this Hubeza yes. guy. And yes. I was like, I was real, and the the beats really well produced. And like this is what when, when where you were you're talking about RC, where like there's parts of this that like were clearly taken from something else, or uh, where like there is something to build on here, and you didn't. Like as the song started, and it felt like he was talking about something that was important to him, someone that was important to him. I was like, oh, so this song is about. But then it's like. Is it really like, did you get that as the song went on that it was about the animal? It just feels like an island, like just because it's following this like conscious sort of hip hop song about classism. And then and and then uh, I just want to say is just like kind of whining about being rejected or broken up with, I think. So I think I think there's really no mind paid to any kind of uh, thematic sequencing here. Yeah, I don't think there was a through narrative. And then there was a breakdown parentheses intro at track, track five, five, which is just which two is minutes breathing. of someone crying quietly with no and, musicality and then, to it at all. But then at the tail end, after the two minutes of someone like just sounding like they're breathing slowly turns into crying, you're kind of like, oh, is something happening? The pic- picture slowly being painted. Then it's just like you just hear over badly recorded audio by the way i told you to pick up your room pick up your room ah! and then like i'm door slamming or something like that and that's the end and i'm like oh okay this is the point in the album where i am at the end of my driving and i start uh walking into the supermarket and i'm very grateful right now that this song came, was the last one that came on before i got out of my car because if this came on in my airpods I wouldn't be able to sleep this week. I skipped the ending of the song, so I didn't hear the clean up your room uh, you part. You didn't miss anything important. I was like, no way am I sitting. Like, I was like, is this all this is? Okay, uh, no cool. Way. I'm out. Uh, and I don't know how that's an intro to Little Lamb. Yeah, what? Like, I how are they related? Get it. We've hit the horror core portion of the record, apparently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Uh, the sweet, the horror core sweet. It comes in and I'm like, you know, trying to give this a bit of a doubt. Okay, he's getting his tech nine on, whatever. But like the story is so nothing where it's like, oh, it's, 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 you know, it's kind of this guy who's like, I guess this woman was pregnant and she regretted it. So he cuts off her head because she was pregnant. But, but then he says something which vaguely alludes to maybe that person was his mom or something. But then the hook is like, Mary had the lip. The lamb look and I'm like, I, you're going for the oh the ironic, you know, cutesy thing when something horrible has happened, but I'm like, I just don't understand why this scenario is happening. This is not Mockingbird, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking a song about a depressed sex worker seriously from a guy who uses the word floozy. Uh, <laughs> he also Like it's the thirties. And also, like, the, the, the line in the chorus, I sacrificed her, Abraham. Don't fucking hashtag yeah, rap this. Uh, okay? Because uh, I, I sacrificed her, Abraham. What are you doing? No, you can't. Sacri- you can't. Because listening to it, my brain was going like, I sacrificed her, Abraham. Like, because I was trying to figure out, like, did he sacrificed her Abraham, like where oh, no, her Abraham no. would be, because you know this is what the problem with these hashtag things. Like, unless you make it clear, you don't know what the fuck the structure of the sentence is. You know, on the note of like how this was following me in real time, uh, this was hitting very weird in the Ralphs. <laughs> 
Like there was okay, like like as Are you gonna be able to hard, go there again without thinking of the song? It's it's a few cities over. I, I can let a few months pass by, but uh th- the fact of the matter is there was okay, while I was in there and as this you know, the, the the twist of the song was happening. There was a girl walking in front of me in the bread aisle, and I just had to walk the other way in, in order to not feel gross. <laughs> this is sub twinkle twinkle little bitch. Okay, it just missed that craze. It's it's a little early for that. This came out in 2020. Ah, uh, ahead of the times. You're right that this is where the horrorcore element of the album kicks in between Little Lamb and Main Street, and I honestly don't know what the fuck is happening anymore. It's really embarrassing to me. It feels like weak-ass ICP Eminem wannabe bars. Now, now I will say Main Street, I think, is better. Like, I, I like the soft woodwind, you know, I think the instrumental, like, sets things up better, you know what well, I mean? Well, you know, I, I do um, gotta agree with you. I gave Lil' Lamb a zero. I gave Main Street a one, so I do agree. It is <laughs> marginally better. Right. Like, it feels more focused. There's a couple of lines in there like, oh, they love me like Donald. So I, you know, fist her like a puppet, like Mitch McConnell, like, oh, little, little sassy, you know, political <sighs> bars in there, whatever. But then the earlier line, what was it? It was like, don't accept the rumor. I didn't stab her. I meant to execute her. I purely battered her and that thing where the rhyme isn't at the end of the sentence. So I mm. have to keep going awkwardly mm. into the next line. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, uh, as long. As we're quoting, as long as we're quoting, this is the one song where I like sat down and made sure to to transcribe a few lines. Oh, nice. Um, uh, so first off, he says "floozy" a second time. So clearly, it's just uh, it, clearly it's just part of his vocabulary. At this he's point. trying to bring it back. There was another tramp. She was fine candy till I ran her over. Now she's Flat Stanley. You leave Flat Stanley out of this. <laughs> what is I, Flat Stanley doing to really be roped into that. this? I crammed I crammed her in a culvert. I, I don't know what that word was. Um, you can hmm. say I'm dandy. Why would I do that? Um, <laughs> and then run. <laughs> went to give her more acts than a book from Stan Lee. Boo! <laughs> uh, Look, man, oh, man. In addition to the horrorcore stuff coming in here, uh, this is where I started getting real big incel vibes. I gotta say it. Like, uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm glad oh, you're yeah. acknowledging it. I wanted to, I, I was trying to tiptoe, but Ch- yeah, what, like, nice what, what, what kind of deep web forum logic is happening here? Between floozy and there are other derogatory um, words I don't really feel like saying that come yeah. up too much and it's like if i was getting a vibe that you were playing like an eminem character some fucking 3 a.m shit of like oh you know it's not me it's just a story about something happening but i can't divorce it unfortunately because you're not really putting enough of a partition up Right. For me to think like oh and it's not there's not even good like storytelling to to at least make it fun no yeah like there's one line that I like that oh every day I stay high like an Uber price like oh okay that yeah, was, was a, okay. that was a little bit of a yeah, yeah. there like yeah but again it's like uh, building around what you know this song that's like all about how you killed this woman for some reason like yeah there were decent lines sprinkled throughout the whole thing but there's no way I was stopping what I was doing. To pause it and rewind it or whatever every time there was one because they're so few and far between that like why would i stop the flow just to make no- it's like they weren't worth yeah. it is what i'm saying it's not worth it yeah and revenge uh, like 
again, it's like, I like the creeping piano, the little xylophone, the sparse little xylophone that's in there. But this hook, it, first of all, that hook doesn't go right. And yeah. uh, and then it's like, what what was up with that sample at the beginning and at the end with this white woman who sounds like she's racist, but at the end I... she says something that's like weirdly ambiguous. She's like, oh, I don't, you know, I just think that black people need to educate and better themselves. And I'm like, I, I mean, okay. What what's happening? Like I why, why helped, are you including this? I thought those samples helped kind of add something, almost like the um the network sample on the first track. It's like when there's samples used throughout, I think they help paint a picture and I think they're used pretty well. The Checkmate song is, uh, I like the chill beat. I, I kind of like that he's uh, kind of getting into a little bit of, you know, social commentary on this one. I, I thought that was, you know, kind of dope. Uh, you know, he was going on the, what about this? What about that? You know, what about the mills that the government, you know, used to convert gays? Like, I, I kind of like him calling out shit like that. Like, oh, yeah, that wow, yeah, government money used for a, a political agenda like that like that that did happen didn't it like there, there are plenty of songs where he'll say some real shit but it's like that that's not enough you can't just say real yeah. shit you like you have to say it's it in a building. way that's grabbing yeah. yeah like the song itself needs to be intriguing for me to like really mm. care the framework about of the song doesn't justify like bringing that in you know yeah, yeah. no but when it's I'm like bored, I'm gonna checkmate. Got my chest pains. Yeah. Oh yeah. When I'm bored, I, I like the multis of this one. I like the low no. piano beat joint. Oh, you no. weren't feeling this one at all? Huh? No, 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 no. I actually, um, I had to quote this entire section. This entire segment. <laughs> I had to go out of my way to write this one down. Yeah. No. And, and and this is a lot too. So I'm sorry in advance. But this whole thing was just like. And I honestly think. It could have uh, been. He said helped. the thing. He said the thing. Oh, I know that. I know that show. Um, <laughs> this might have helped if the delivery was better, but I mean, I'm not going to be delivering with the flow. I'm just going to be reading it. But <laughs> it's this part here. And uh, okay, I didn't even reference the chip on my shoulder joke at the beginning. Oh my lord! That's got to go. <laughs> He really did what the Malibu's that? most wanted 2002 he, the, joke. What's this? Oh, on my shoulder. What's this on my oh shoulder? That's what that was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he eats the okay, chip. Okay, my, where my mind went, I figured he was still in horrorcore mode and he was like eating his own shoulder or something. <laughs> <laughs> what See, is this? I would have preferred that. At least that's the damage. Dump some salt on it. Takes a bite. If I, this I, can I, be I, misconstrued, then it absolutely <laughs> needs to go. Like, get that out of there. But anyway, it's the... With my clip, I'm about to bring a thunder shower, yet people told me to quit, sit, and just hold in my power. I told them to suck a dick and just sit on my tower? You'll be lucky, bitch, even if I ever think of sending you flowers. Get well soon? No, I don't fuck with doubters. I told myself to die once, but I'll tell it to you just louder. Ruthless empowered to have this fucking music devoured it's food on my counter I'll chew it till my face is blue and my mouth hurts in my youth I was always losing like Bowser yeah, The tracks that, that I had uh, The tracks I now. had just sounded like puke made of chowder I guess in yeah. a way I should thank these stupid cowards. They paved a way for my greatness and my brutal encounters. No. <laughs> no, there were way but too one many. One good line was uh, losing like Bowser. Like, okay, I get that one, you know? 
I think the but again, as, but again, as you're listening hurts. to the verse, like it's not yeah. worth okay. the one good, you know, yeah, no. pearl in there. You went nerdcore for a millisecond, <laughs> right? Yeah, right, like, right. We can't just get one video game reference in an hour. Yeah, that, you got to put that on the Mega Ran verse. You got to build a whole thing around that. <laughs> you leave Chowder out of this too, Chowder. okay? <laughs> It's Flat Stanley Chowder. Come on. Nobody's safe from this. And okay, this is when I reach my limit. Best, Best wishes, wishes, Paul. Paul. I'll be honest. When like, he was like, trying to, when he was trying to get on his gangster rap, I'm like, okay, put get 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 out of here. Wrap this up. Like my Tommy gun unload. Like whoa 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 unload on these niggas. Kevin unload with the fake machine gun noises. I'm like yeah. Get, Get out of here. We don't believe you. You need more people. I wrote, what the fuck with like a million U's. Then, dude, I gotta bail. This is too much. The chorus, the threats, the gun sound effects. There's still 10 more tracks. Anyway, uh, Ode to Trauma. These lyrics, uh, like, so I'm... Like okay with the song up to a certain point. It was like, oh, you know, it's do it. It's better than the last song. You know, it's all relative. And then I get to the point. I would never hit a bitch unless she left me on red. And I'm like, come on, oh, yeah, okay, what? Yeah, what are you doing here? What? It was at that moment where I was like, okay, any doubt I could have possibly given you in the other <laughs> tracks, like that's out of it's here. Fucking like Drake bars, yeah, like Drake if he did horrorcore bars. Yeah, this is pulled out of some deep web uh, forum that I want nothing to do with. And these flows that keep just missing the groove of the beat. It's just infuriating. It's like, in addition to this being uncomfortable, it's like, can you at least fit the rhythm? And also, I got I got to mention, uh, there's one line on this song where he's essentially I think he's trying to imply that. And, you know, there's a song later on called Asperger's. We'll get to it. But uh, right. but uh, he, there's one line where he just casually like mentions, you know, being autistic. And, you know, I, I, you know, oh, I, yeah. I, you know spe- speaking from that, like the idea of like taking all of these behaviors that, you know, exaggerated horrorcore cartoon stuff or not, like taking these behaviors and attitudes and attributing them to autism is just, is kind of gross. Not that, not that he's saying it's like, it's like the thing, but he's at least saying it's a thing. And that I don't like that as a message. Like it's beyond just like, like incompetence into like, no, there's like a fundamental no happening here like it is sort of like it's an incompetence in terms of like creating the song and how the message ends up coming out right like that sort of deal the song lone wolf i don't know if i'm crazy i don't know if this is just a stockholm syndrome thing or something this is the only one so far that like on a content level i can kind of get behind okay yes i really like the hook of that one and then the fucking verses. Like, I just wrote it like, oh my God, these fantastic harmonies. Like, I love it. The guitar in the background, the little emo rap you're going for. And then the verses come in. They're so janky. And I'm just like, stop, man. Yeah. Get out of your own way with these tracks. Yeah. And now, now, like, 
as far as like what you're saying though, like I did like the idea that he's talking in some of those lines about like kind of staying in a loop of bad news online and how mm-hmm. that can kind of compound on your depression and anxiety right. and feeling like the walls are closing in on you. Like that's real. That that like it goes from like a very unlegitimate thing or a uh, track or two earlier to like okay, this is an idea on paper that I kind of vibe with. I did feel like the chorus was a little awkward personally, but for me, it's kind of, it's maybe the most tolerable song so far. Hmm. I don't know. I had to point out two things. First of all, Lone Wolf is the first song on side B. So Ode to Drama and Best Wishes Paul were the last two on side A. So maybe ah. side oh, yeah. B is, you know, starting off on a somewhat decent foot, even though I wasn't necessarily a big fan of Lone Wolf. I had to quote this part from um, Ode to Trauma because this was a point in the album where I seriously had to be like, to my partner, you need to hear how awkward this is. Because I I, I usually let them, you know, not have to hear stuff that's not very good. But I was like, I need need someone else to hear this right now. It's the, (laughs) I guess I'm a pile of shit. So I get high and I cry as I'm wishing... Friends I had in high school weren't friends I had for five minutes. I think Ugh. the Almighty laughed when he assigned my he assigned me my limits. Da Vinci type mind I have, but sometimes I just light up bridges. Like the weird choppy yeah. flow of just like, how am I supposed to follow along with this? It's so janky. Yeah, and oh my god, just that little in an intermission, the flip into side B intermission. It's just it was like with the spooky Halloween tape sound effects, of ambient noise. Yeah, I was like, dude, get to the fucking point. And then Why like, does it, have to it be does so kick long? in. Like some drums kick in near the end, but it's like this wasn't worth this. It, like, no. <laughs> oh I mean, my god. At, at least like the interlude tracks give you kind of a break from from those right, flows. Palette cleanser. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it's going now, for. Now, I do want to mention uh, the, the song Asper. When I saw this mm-hmm. on track list, I kind of shit my pants a little. I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. But there's kind of nothing here. I just found it was a weird kind of kind of clickbait title. I was like, why is it even called that? Because, okay, Absolutely. So the one thing I'll say, the one thing I'll say, there is one punchline about puzzle pieces, which makes me wonder, is oh. this like, which makes me kind of like, oh, oh no. Oh, just one line reference sort of thing. Is this some Sia shit endorsing Autism Speaks or something? You know? Uh, Just because of the puzzle piece thing. And also, like, Uh, there's also weird stuff with the term Asperger's that, like, we don't have to open up the can of worms on. Yeah, it's not good. But But, but what was it? Yeah, I was noting things. I was like, okay, first of all, the the drone in this beat is just way too low-key. Like, you could fall asleep listening to this. And you know what I mean? Like, it was just so low-key. And then when the rap comes in, like... Okay, so randomly later on, he he gets into these bars about, like, having a threesome with these two chicks, but it's just so clunkily delivered that I'm like, I do not believe you. Like, I'm sorry, like, you gotta sound a little smoother than this. Is he trying to pull one of those memes that's like me and the bad bitch I pulled by being autistic? Is he trying to do one of those? Oh, no. (laughs) The first half is really just kind of nothing, but the second half... It was really off-putting with all the, yeah. like, sex shit. And that's only this track. I mean, we get more of it later. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we do. I honestly don't have anything to say about any of the songs before Sex Rats. Did, did either of you have anything to say <laughs> uh, about? Let me see. That's the other one that had, like, the the guy, Hubizar, that's, like, doing a chorus that's kind of decent. Uh, and then just, like, the, the stuff being put on top of that. 
Uh, he's getting yeah. upset that this girl won't wear a, br- a bracelet for him. Yeah, what uh, what was going on? Wear a bra or something? Did y'all catch that line? Like, was that what? on this one? There was something I th- on a bra. I think I think it was on on Little Lamb where she was like using a bra to hang herself or something. Yeah, I was like, oh. hey, okay. <laughs> um, but don't know you anymore. I, I, I this was the beat I remember liking the most. It has the the most sort of mainstream trap emo sounding instrumentation. Um, mm. and, but then the hook what was it like? When he said I loved you, I looked that up. Like, is that what he's saying? Like, what what's being said there? It's almost like when he said I love you, I looked that up. <laughs> I'm not like, looking what that is up. That supposed to mean? <laughs> and then and then it's like these these flows are killing me. The way they're just so in- they're anticipating the beat too much. It's like where he's saying the word too soon, and you can hear it. Where it's just like, oh my god, just just relax, just let the word fall into the rhythm. Like Jesus Christ. Um, and then left out, uh, the, oh, this hook, it sounds like they legit got a, a 2011 Sia or Rihanna to sing this hook. And I was like, what? Like, oh, he's getting his mini emo trap on. Okay. Like there was that first verse that came in that actually sounded like it was in the pocket. And then it was like, oh, I'm actually enjoying this. Two thirds of the song have gone by. And then the eight bar rap verse that doesn't sound like it was recorded in the same studio comes in. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. There we are. Again, like the features are the only time times that the vocals on this album sound like they're actually mixed and mastered into the song. Yeah, it's like it was let cut out of the studio or something. <laughs> I've made mashups that where the vocal parts fit better. The the chorus got my hopes up really high uh, just to be let down by just how clunky and painful the verses were on that one. Oh, Gee, I'm so sorry, but I just looked at the next skit, breakup skit, and I just had like a visceral reaction. What in the murder fetish <laughs> ASMR is this? <laughs> Both of you are going to have to let me know what happened in this because <laughs> you, Muse is back and the misphonia was kicking just, real hard here. I was so wondering I, about that with this. I was wondering how you'd react to this. I totally get you stomping <laughs> that skip button. I, I hit skip within Fuck like this. two seconds. Fuck this track so hard. Okay, so I, I kind of like held my headphones just so off to the side, but I still was like listening to what's happening. And it's just like this this, this girl is kind of like whispering with like, a t- with like an ASMR tangle of like, I'm going to stab you now. I'm it was just like, I don't want to hear this. It's just like a weird role play thing that should not be on an album. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's clearly like a sexual thing, but it involves like shedding blood. And it's just like, this is not okay. I don't want to hear this. Like, this is that. There was this one insane clown posse affiliated female rapper that I remember hearing once. And like, she was the one ICP affiliated person that actually like got under my skin like for a second where she like she had some song where it's just like we're gonna be in love forever and I'm gonna like get some like uh uh some uh needles to inject you with Clorox to make sure you don't leave or something like that it was just like something that she said that just skewed me just perfectly where I was just like ooh you got me with that and like you hit the I'm an insane female clown but like I can't listen to any of this again because that is horrifying. But this going into sex rats, like at some oh point. My God. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Here's the thing. There's a point when you're this deep into it where, like, at some point it's so distasteful you just start dissociating. Oh. Yeah, I get that. 
and it and that peaked with this song here because don't don't do a sex song just don't i i I don't want to do a definitive thing like that too often but i can say pretty confidently don't do a sex song on this record you have to be you have to know what the fuck you you have to be a master of your fucking craft to deliver because you have to it's a delicate mood right like you have to make me actually believe that you're getting that you're you know getting some play and that this person like you know is actually comfortable but when you come in with this hook where he sounds like I don't know how to describe it, but it just sounds like the whipper wind, like wailing as he goes, oh yeah, baby, oh yeah, baby. And I'm just like, oh, stop, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. If I wasn't already getting hit upside the head with incel vibes from most of the album, this might have been a little less awkward, but just fucking imagine how jarring it is to be hit with, like, bitch and all this misogynistic language for most of the album then all of a sudden oh i expect we're gonna smash now like excuse me like why would you think that that's just like i put down like 20 zeros for a sex rest and just wrote no zero multiplied by zero (laughs) that's my only note is no so yeah i agree with mark just uh don't do this not again what's and of course, that also then moves on to the other song, My Only Route, the only song that I can also kind of get behind on paper. Like, mm. it's, it's it's a more kind of in, a more kind of introspective one about kind of using music as a solace when everything is falling apart around you. Saying, again, yeah. again, that that idea is real. And I like I'm not saying to, like, stop doing the music stuff because there's clearly a passion here. But just like some things just need like fundamental changing along the way i did quote that was a bit awkward again in the delivery maybe or the lyrics he goes gotta stay positive but it's hard as fuck to stay on top of it god is it my fault possibly if it is let me own it monopoly another hashtag there for you honestly i'm persecuted and you go crazy when you're secluded that was okay You begin to see the sky turn red, and when your eyes open, the fantasy's ruined. What was that supposed to rhyme with? Secluded? Here's the thing. I get doing a little bit of a hard rhyme or whatever, but, like, you have to make it sound like it could actually rhyme, you know? You know, maybe, like, enunciate the words in a way where you're just like, oh, yeah, I can hear somebody said it like that, you can hear it. But with these, it's like, it's so, like... Yes, if you uh, if you put these two syllables together, they kind of have a similar syllable flow, and I'm going to do nothing in any way to try to, like, bend it to make it sound like that. I'm just going to rely on the fact that you kind of hear that, you know? And it's just <laughs> yeah. it's that Wale flow thing where it's just like, huh? Like, you can't hear how you need to do a little bit more work with making that sound right, you know? like. And it's also hard to do the slant rhyme thing when you're, like, enunciating this hard. Yeah, yeah that's what's just everything. weird. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Your Glory, uh, nice enough hook. Hooker sounds like a little lot jawed, but still enjoyable enough. And then Breakthrough Outro, with which has actual raps on it, but only one verse. It's mostly that hook playing, though, but I thought it was... All right. Oh, no, it, actually, this wasn't right. It was like, oh, Track Murderer, ain't never heard of you. I was like, oh, my God, this oh, 1993 oh. Ice Cube gangster rap bars, Track Murderer, ain't never heard of you. <laughs> uh, and, and that's it. Well, what did you guys give this? 
Um, I don't know if Mark rated it. Did you? Uh, I didn't do track by track because like no- normally if I'm like going through like a track by track thing, I would like use like rate your music and it's not on there. But it, it's it's definitely the album is definitely not more than a one. I gave it exactly a one. I give it a generous two. Um, I, I it just purely for the beat work and instrumentation, where okay. it's just like man, this That's exact fair. same album, but just a second pass of this ver- these verses would have at least been competent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it would have been like, oh, okay, I got to give you bars for that. But just the fact that it's like, wow, there is a competent album sitting here that I can hear, but you didn't unlock it, you know? Yeah. If I could suggest two things, it would be either one, if, I don't know who's making the beats on this record. If um Wolfcon is making these beats himself, I'd say lean harder into that because most of these, like the instrumentals in a vacuum are competently balanced themselves. It's just what's combined with that kind of makes everything fall apart. The other thing I'd suggest is if, you know, these collaborators, if you know them personally, like get some get some pointers from them because there's there is some professionalism when those features come in progress is possible here i think you just got to know where to look in order to uh get there and from there we go on to the main attraction <sighs> it's bruce springsteen and the e street band with born in the usa now let me just say this much i Never really had that much of an in with Bruce Springsteen personally. I knew he One was, second, I knew he was the was boss. Was this Dr. Goatman? Uh, wait, le- uh, let me take a look because it just might be. Hold on just a second. <laughs> if it is, we're going to have to shout him out. Yes, yes, yes. Let's go to the request. Oh, Goatman, you're doing the Lord's work on this that's one. That's right. Friend. Yes, Dr. Goatman. Dr. Goatman. I, I don't know how you have the budget in you. <laughs> I don't know. Bless you. <laughs> Dr. Goldman. Just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, however, all four of the singles that I, like, the big singles from this, I remembered. Like, it was like a, oh, hey, I know this one. Oh, and hey, yeah. I know that one. Oh, and hey, I know that one. And it was like a thing where I was just like, oh, it was the thing where, like, I know Billy Joel more, so this is the other 80s B guy that I kind of like, go like, <laughs> if it's not him, it's this guy, and then if it's not him, it's like Billy Idol, you know, because it's like, mm. they kind of have a bit of a rockage, you know, thing. like his is clearly a more like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, working stiff, working Joe sort of feel, but like, there's a bit of like rock 80s twinge in there as we get a little deeper into the albums that is like, oh, okay, like especially Dancing in the Dark, this, that was the song that I was like, hey, this is the song that I always confuse with Dancing with Myself. <laughs> oh shit! Wow. Okay, I, <laughs> and I, was well, like, I never and, thought about that, but wow, I can hear that now. Yeah, but this one's more low key, and I remember being like, "Yeah, I, this is the one that like I would hear that one because that's the one that gets played more on the '80s radio." And be like, "Isn't there another one that's kind of like?" But I can't remember how it goes, you know. But all of all of these songs, uh, yeah, that were like the hit singles. I remember, and I, I, I will we'll talk about the varying degrees to which I. Uh, felt that they did their thing but um but yeah as far as like knowing him it's always been a sort of like oh yeah i know the hit singles whenever like it's it's the four hit singles off of this one and baby we were we were born to run those are the ones that i like know from please tell me that's him is that someone else yeah yes 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 uh so it's okay. interesting <laughs> say, okay so let me just say it's always interesting because he, you know obviously he's someone with like t- like 20 something albums and so like it, it's tricky like 
there's definitely like this period from like born to run to born born to born um where i can pinpoint someone to any of those records for various reasons i'd say like born to run and dark and sunshine on the edge of town uh, those ones from 75 and 78 are like if you want the springsteen sound where it's like that full band kind of going all in on getting out of this town and like <laughs> but with, with kind of like this undercurrent of capitalist dread um yes. those are the ones you go to um but the interesting thing about Born in the USA is that this is the album where if you want like the easiest in because it's the most songs you probably recognize just from cultural osmosis. This is the one I point to because, you know, in probably the one of the biggest years for blockbuster albums ever 1984 this was one of the biggest of that. And there were literally, I believe, seven top 10 singles from this record, Jesus. which was a record at the time. Mm. Although, uh, although surprisingly, none of them hit mm. number one. Hmm. I can see that actually. Now I gotta tell y'all my history. Um, Uh being from Jersey in the first place, it kind of is in your blood that Mm -hmm. you know you gotta you're you're either Springsteen or you're Bon Jovi. You need to pick a side. (laughs) Um, I always leaned way 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 more towards Springsteen. I honestly never really got into Bon Jovi too much, and. Mark might uh, give me some pushback on this one, but it wasn't until this week that I actually um, listened to this one the whole way through. Something... You know, in a weird way, I get it. In a weird way, I get it because it's one of those where, like, like I don't feel the need to like watch Star Wars, like Star Wars movies, all the way through because, like, I feel like I already know everything. So it's like a similar thing where it's like. How much else would I how much more info would I gain by listening to like the five songs that didn't get on the radio? You know, you know, it was last week or the last episode before that we talked briefly about Prince and we talked about the discography and just how there was always kind of a, you know, in Lion King where uh, there's like you don't want to go over there. You don't want to <laughs> go into that part, you know? I always looked at Prince's discography of like you never want to go into the 90s. You stop <laughs> at the end of the at the end of the 80s. You don't need to go any further than that. In my 1990, head, 1990 into the line. <laughs> oh yeah, as soon as it becomes Prince and the Revolution changes into Prince and the New Power Generation, you don't need that. <laughs> you can pretty much save yourself a lot of time there. Um, although I will say Prince actually did a pretty good job of like predicting what the 90s sound would be it just didn't really work Mm. for him personally in my opinion but Mm. back to springsteen Mm. i was always really big into the other ones up to this point greetings wild the innocent born to run especially Mm. darkness on the edge of town uh the river i can't say anything bad about them but there was always something in my i guess this preconceived notion that born in the usa was like the overly poppy you don't need to really listen to that one. You basically got everything you need from the hits. The hit song, right? Like Born in the USA, it has that so 80s bombast synth cheese to it as soon as it starts. Boom, bottom, boom, bottom, you know, like. Yeah, I always just kind of got the impression that like, you know what? I think I know what that album is. It's probably not really for me stylistic wise. I'll just skip it. And I didn't hate this album, honestly. Um. I liked the rest of it. Uh, 
I gotta say though, in my opinion, no of the none of the deep cuts hit me nearly as hard as any of the hits did. Because mm. uh, there's one album that you didn't bring up between the river and Born in the USA that I feel it kind of informs it. That would be uh, Nebraska. So if I can if I can tangent. Oh, that's into right. It, if I can yeah. tangent info dump for a sec. Oh, go uh, off, go off. Please, please, please. Oh, wow, I get to do the thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've waited nine years for this, uh, but no. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, 1980, he's coming off of The River, which is this big double album uh, with kind of spanning everything um, that's, you know, in his in his oeuvre at that point. You know, And he's not, like, the biggest rock star on the planet, but he's on that level. You know, he's gotten a, a few top 40 hits. Hungry Heart hit the top 10. And he's do- doing really, really good for himself. And then he... I believe how it goes is that, like, he was doing some cross-country travels just to, like, relieve his anxiety or something. Uh, and he... Out of him came this... Came these folk songs, these really specific storytelling character portrait folk songs about like people in the middle of bumfuck nowhere that have no prospects left and end up just killing people. Um, and he writes 10 of those and he demos them in his bedroom on this little four track task cam recorder. And then on just like, you know, vocal guitar, maybe a background vocal. Uh, then he brings that to the E street band, which is what he would normally do to have them work on the arrangements uh, and they cannot get arrangements for these songs figured out in a way that would work. So he just looks back at those demos and goes, huh, I, I, why don't I just put these out? And so he did. And like, it wasn't, it didn't do amazingly, but it still did. Okay. And then I think that one touch point you might hear from people over the last 20 years or so is that, all of a sudden, in the 2000s, you get these indie folk guys coming up. You know, mm-hmm. your Connor Oberst and people like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all these hip millennial musicians uh, in the indie world are saying like, hey, that's the Springsteen record right there. If you really want to yeah. get that, that, that dark, bleak storytelling, like if you want to think of him in a light other than, you know, just like born in the USA, uh, you know, jeans and the handkerchief and the American flag kind of image. Uh, and then, of course, straight from that, he just made this like straight up blockbuster pop record as kind of like the other way around from that. Um, although uh, the title track was actually written sort of around those sessions. And there is like a more kind of stripped down acoustic version that might totally change your outlook on the song entirely. Oh, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but what I love about the pop sound of this record compared to his other stuff, and I'm not sure if this is only apparent, like if you have heard that other stuff, is that uh, it, it, it almost feels like he's Trojan horsing certain themes into the pop world of 1984. By like, you know, because you have the song Born in the USA where it does have, you know, those big doofy synths and the gated snare on like every beat. Uh, But then he's also talking about how America has totally let down and abandoned its veterans and, you know, have left them with no prospects in life. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's such an interesting like topic, right? Like there's that, you know, discussion of. Whoever ended up using it was a Reagan who used it on his uh, campaign trail or something like that. And it's just like, can we stop letting the stupid people decide how a certain art will be remembered, right? Like, because it's like, they, they almost kind of ruined that for me. Because I remember at first having that feeling of like, oh, is it just like a sort of like patriarch sort of thing? And then someone being like, no, actually, it's the opposite of that. If you just listen to the song, if you just yeah, it's all actually you have to do. listen to the song. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it's very funny. Hiding. 
that this is probably his like biggest single and it's like his it's it might be like near his most scathing yeah right. yeah oh my goodness um, and I, I just want to point out initially, like, uh, the, the original way I had known the song is that, um, I had known that song, of course, hearing it at the beginning of, uh, uh I love the eighties, you know, when they were, mm. they would have those intros, oh, that song yeah. would certainly play. Um, as well as there was a movie that Cheech Marin had done in the eighties called Born in East Elias. Oh was, my God. Yeah. <laughs> anyone remember that one? I do not <laughs> that song wow. anyway. Where, where he gets like he gets deported because you know he's a Californian of course so he's Spanish so of course they assume he's like Mexican but he was born in America and so he genuinely has to like try to get back over the border and there's one part where they ask him like oh yeah you're you're an American who's the president and he goes like uh it, it was the guy from those movies uh Jackie Gleason <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't just Reagan so let me just read this part here. Oh, um, no. con- conservative columnist George Will, after attending a show, published a piece on September uh, 1984 titled A Yankee Doodle Springsteen, in which he praised <laughs> Springsteen as an exemplar of classic American values. He wrote, uh. this is the catch. I have not got a clue about Springsteen's politics, if any, but flags get waved at his concerts while he sings songs about hard times. He's no whiner. (laughs) And the recitation of closed factories and other problems always seem punctuated by a grand, cheerful affirmation born in the USA. You could not get it more wrong. This is like so the seven-year-old's version of like listening to the song where they have no, where they don't, like where you can excuse a seven-year-old old not understanding it because they're a child and they're stupid and they don't understand god you're a fucking grown-ass adult who can absolutely like did you just hear oh yeah there's lyrics about going to vietnam and yeah finally a song that cheers on us going to vietnam that's right i'm not gonna listen twice to the lyrics like you fucking morons (laughs) i don't know anything about bruce springsteen's political alignment i hear he has a podcast these days i don't care to look up who he's hosting it with Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he did allow a song to be used in the uh, John Kerry campaign. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, was it No Surrender? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I knew it. I fucking knew it. That meatloaf ass song. That fucking cornball ass. The narrators in these songs are always like on the losing end of the American system. If you really break yeah. them down, like mm-hmm. he's always they're always getting fired, getting broken up with, going to jail, having these yeah. deadbeat manual labor jobs. And if this is what those politicians see as an aspirational thing, they're telling uh. on themselves. Well, because the idea yeah. is that, oh, that's the American that they're putting on that aesthetic. No, don't you want that American dream? Ben Shapiro, he gets that uh, uh, the pickup truck to look just like you, middle American. You know, isn't that what you should want to just work as a drone for a company so that they can, you know, use you as much as possible. And then as soon as they're done with you, throw you away, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, And that's why I think it's kind of genius about this record is that, you know, when you just look at the aesthetics, you know, it's like red, white and blue and the blue jeans, bud, and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then you actually peel back. And again, it's this Trojan horse thing of like, actually, mm. here's why it's, America, here's yeah. why America might not be the perfect and, place to be and born it's in. Fascinating. It's fascinating because it's like, you know, it, these people tell on themselves why they fall for it. Right. Just because it makes them feel nice. It makes them feel like, yes, we are right. Our country is the, the main character of the world, you know, like. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, now, 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 I will say there. Not every song goes this deep. There are some deeply dumb songs here, but I weirdly mm. think you know if we go into like uh, mm. "Cover Me, Darlington County," that kind of stuff. Like, I think it does kind of help in like kind of giving that sense of security for people who might just be in it for the rah rah kind of uh, Reagan shit. Uh, and only to kind of slide that other stuff in on some of the other songs. Oh, like, I, I, regular I, I think, Randy Newman over here. <laughs> I think it's a decently sequenced record in that regard. But but if you want, if you guys want to move on to like Cover Me, Darlington County, the rest of the songs here. I really like how like the song for the most part has the synthetic drums. But then when it kind of comes in at the tail end, you can hear like the real drums kind of come in with a real like it really adds effect like i feel like i've heard this song a lot of times and i feel like every time i start it i i'm kind of like oh yeah it's this song it kind of goes on like this for a while but then you know for this album listen when like it feels like every time i get to the end it feels worth it for when you hear the real drum fill kind of like come in and like play with the time a little bit so i, I just always i just want to give props to that little bit there we can talk about the commentary all day but at the end of the day when he just goes oh you know, like that's that rules that just fucking rules. There's like this synth that kind of goes throughout it that sounds like way more haunting and like down like sour compared to the rest of the song that really does kind of hurt the optimism of the song. Like it's just kind of there to remind you like, hey, this isn't good. And then, of course, you move on to cover me, which he literally uh, he originally wrote it for Donna Summer. <laughs> It doesn't really sound like a bit like a, yeah, like bare bones, lo- 80s love rock track, you know? Like. Yeah. And and I feel like we're, we're allowed a couple of dumb of more kind of dumb pop songs here. And so like, <laughs> he, he originally wrote for Don Summer and then he demoed it and he was like, wait, shit, I want this. Um, and I do. Although that said, I do kind of like, you know, the song's just about like the world's getting tougher. And then right. he's just kind of taking like the super specific kind of strife of the of the first song and then making it a little more universal digestible for for everyone yeah. there and it's also and, just a great also a great pop song too and and i do like it in terms of like yeah after all that heaviness turning to this love song in in which the the song's theme is like cover me you know make me like shield me from this world you know <laughs> i think it was kind of lacking in the lyrics and the instrumentation it was just kind of yeah mid in my opinion except for the squealing guitar solos that do mm. elevate it to like a okay like those almost justify it in my opinion like otherwise i think mm. it's kind of yeah, it's okay but the guitar solos are like oh shit yeah that's why we're here if you know two people in the east street band it would be uh clarence clements who we're gonna get to big man. Uh, like, yeah big man and then steven van zant who's doing yeah. most of the, the most the lead work you got the big man and you got little stevie yeah, yeah, it all evens out. I gotta give this a shout out because RC mentioned it before, uh, Randy Newman. There's a song that Randy Newman does. He's talking about, like, if I was the big star out there, how I'd be doing things different. And he's just like, like halfway through, he's just like, uh, I called up Bruce Springsteen and he told me, hey, Randy, how about you be the boss for a while? Hey, big man, <laughs> blow it! And you hear this, like, half-assed Clarence Clemens saxophone Jesus gun. Christ! <laughs> it's so fucking funny! What's the name of that song, wow. please? I need to look that up so, so bad. <laughs> so for this next track, I, I was listening to, like, his voice, and I was, like, having this moment where I was like, wait, he's supposed to be from New Jersey, right? Why yeah. does he sound like a Southerner in this song? What's going on here? I think he's channeling some of that. 
he's at his fucking most John Cougar Mellencamp ass. (laughs) That's what I was thinking of, yeah. As a kid, I always got them confused, and it's like, Mellencamp is like my mom's favorite artist, and I still don't understand that, Mm. but it's fine. As a kid, I always said, like, I got them confused, and she just couldn't understand that. It's like, listen listen to Darlington County. You could confuse this for a fucking cougar Mellencamp song if you didn't know any better. And uh, I like the nice sax solo. Uh, oh, the sax boy. solos are, 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 are all over it. this album are fucking on point. <laughs> the first appearance of the big man on this thing. I really, I honestly wasn't really vibing with this song really until uh, Clarence until fucking the shows up. Solo, yeah. And then it's like, yeah, there <laughs> we go. Here we go. <laughs> I yeah, do gotta oh, oh. say though, the little uh, girl, you're so young and pretty. Maybe okay. stop with that. Yeah. We're we're gonna get to that a little later. Uh, I know the line you're talking about with that. We're gonna get yeah. there. But okay. Yeah. But, but the end of this the end of this song though, where the final line where it says, "Driving out of Darlington County, Sean Wayne handcuffed to the bumper of a state trooper's Ford." I was like, "Jesus, whoa! What a dark line for how relatively peppy the instrumentation See? is." I quoted this too, and I kind of love that. It's like I was saying, like he's doing these like dumb kind of traveling around kind of, you know, populist kind of songs with like a fun storytelling and stuff. And then just boom, uh, you're arrested by by a straight state by a state yeah, trooper. It's that Randy Newman Later. thing where it's just like, wait, what was that one line? What was that one thing he just said? <laughs> what was that one thing about his dog, uh, six people? What, what, who, who are those people that, that his dog is sticking now? What's going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and even, like, you know, the line before it is, like, driving out of Darlington County, I've seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Like, he's quoting, I think mm. I think he's on James, who's, like, the the like the like Battle of the Republic hymn oh, yeah. or something. And then just like that, juxtaposed with, and my buddy just got arrested by a state trooper. Then there's working on the highway. It's the 80s calling back to that 50s with that, you know how those 50s songs had that echoey sound, especially that, who's that one dude who played the guitar really like, it was like really thin and really like, you know, it was like the late 50s. There was a specific echoey sort of, hey, baby, you know what I mean? Like, like, a, like a Richie Valens or yeah, Buddy yeah. Holly kind of thing? Or? And, and I actually, I kind of like how on this hook where he's like working on the highway, laying on the blacktop, Get on the highway all day, I don't stop. Get on the highway. Like, he doesn't say the first syllable of working. He just kind of like, get on the highway. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. for some reason, I don't know why I like that. It's like, get on the highway, last into the the bedrock. I don't know you why know what that it just is? hit for me. <laughs> this album is, you know, you know what it is? This album is very, it's his most, eight, I mean, Maybe his most '80s album. Maybe Tunnel of Love is a little more '80s, but oh, uh, but, yeah. but 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 this record, but but you know, you've it's generally been pretty composed for a lot of it. This is like the coked out '80s song. No, oh, for sure, know? for sure. It's got yeah. this like almost like manic baseball stadium yeah, energy it, with those it, organs. It sounds like he's on top of the <laughs> jackhammer working field. on the highway. <laughs> I really wasn't vibing with the throwback feel of it, honestly, which is kind of. I don't know. It, it might just be just not what I'm really expecting from Bruce, so it didn't really hit me the right way. It's doofy. It's unquestionably doofy. You know, when it uh, again, I'm I'm the one you know who's comparing this all to Billy Joel, right? Like that that's my sort of like, all right, how how well are you doing the '80s emulating the '50s thing? So yeah, like relative to that, I was kind of like, mm, I'm left a little a little wanting, but the hook does hit for me. Well, hold on, I can't let you off the hook. Just how does how does this compare to Drive In Saturday? <laughs> God <Right>. damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I had to 
I, I, I like this one more. I think this one, uh, you know, this one has me snapping the fingers. You know what I mean? Getting on the highway. Getting on the highway. He's so into it. He can't even say all the words. Like, Just when you said the, like, throwback 50s, I was like, okay. You had such an issue when Bowie did it. But it's just like... It just depends on how you do it, man. I, I don't know okay. what to say. Because, okay. yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, I fe- I felt like something, yeah, something uh, fried in the, uh, in the uh, you know, processors for that one. Because, yeah, I'm totally a sucker for the 80s calling back to the 50s thing. But it's like, it, you know, it, it, you had to do it. Right. And on this album, I think he does it, like, relatively well. But, yeah, I do feel like there are certain tracks on here where I feel like he hits it. Uh, w- w- there's a... There's a Born to Run 2 on this album, I feel like, which has that there feel is, of like, yeah. oh, this yeah. is almost like that, but I feel like I could just listen to that original song. And that's where I get with some of these tracks where I get like, no, it's not that this is bad. This is competently done, but I do kind of get the feeling of, mm, but I can listen to Innocent Man, though, like, you know, um, and Downbound Train is where I kind of start to get that feeling a little bit where I'm like. You know, uh, it's cool enough. I like the light 80s synths, you know, the very yeah, nighttime synths that that, yeah. that have that feel. But his voice just misses, misses matching the aesthetic of this consistently enough to really feel like it's working. Like, it just feels like his voice just, just tips right over where it's t- a little too strong for what's happening on the instrumentation. Like, like he's leaning just a little into the mic. Like, he's doing a take where it's a little late at night and he kind of just wants to get this one done, so he's just leaning uh, a little bit into uh, it a little bit too much, you know what I mean? RC, are we really going to talk about bad vocal takes after what we just experienced? In this episode, <laughs> but you know, respectfully. Oh <laughs> true, true. I it's also wanted to bring up this genius annotation for working on the highway because I almost forgot. This is the description of the song. I'm not editorializing this at all. I'm just going to read it as is, and then we can discuss it afterwards. In this deceptively upbeat rockabilly number. The boss plays a guy who starts out laying blacktop on a highway as a highway worker and winds up doing the same job on a prison gang. His situation goes from bad to worse all because he skips town with a parentheses, presumably underage girl and runs afoul of her father and brothers. Bruce keeps it lighthearted but it's very much in keeping with this album's dark view of the American dream. I think oh this person was reading into the whole little girl thing a bit too much. <laughs> I didn't yeah. really get the vibe because that Bruce I think was skipping to- town with an underage girl specifically. I think a thing to keep in context is that also just like little girl was just like a, a kind of unfortunate turn of phrase, <laughs> but still, but still, yeah. but still uh, just like a turn of phrase of the time that was used like through yeah. the 80s. From the sort of like a QC you know? sort of talking to a girl that you're trying to like, yeah, right, schmooze. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, I do want to say like, even if we were going to go with, you know, our, our lovely interpreters uh, interpretation of things, uh, at the same time, I do kind of get I would kind of get like a through line from Nebraska in a way where like, you know, most of those protagonists are freaking lawbreakers and murderers and stuff. And mm. like, I'm not opposed to the idea of right. the protagonist of one of these songs being not a great guy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. I, I, I honestly I like that a lot. A lot of the songwriters I like the most do depict just real scummy, yeah, unlikable and, and, people. 
but you know they usually do a good job of making it clear like yeah that, how you're supposed to think of the person right let's they're usually come to the point it, where yeah. you're like oh i get where i'm good they're going here like yeah yeah now, if we do want to talk about a song where you really are unquestionably with the protagonist, we got to talk about Downbound Train. Little details like, now I work down at the car wash where all it ever does is rain. Like, like that's just like a tiny thing, but just like, oof, man. It's just like a little extra kick while you're down. There's a lot of mentioning of being down and trains on this album. He's going down, 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 down. <laughs> yeah, going down and trains. He sure is. I think it was a more sexual album than it actually is. Uh. Yeah. Also, also, I do want to say you were talking about the synth tones on uh, Downbound Train. You definitely get more of that on the following album, uh, Tunnel of Love. Uh, and then mm. also on this really underrated album he put out in the mid 90s called The Ghost of Tom Joad. That record is sort of a follow-up to Nebraska and just like all the songs are about like the struggles of migrants on the Texas Mexico border, basically. Uh going on to I'm on fire. My first note was like, this is supposed to be sleazy, right? Like it has that 80s plastic cowboy feel to it. I don't know how to describe it other than Ugh, that. Like I love the fucking you know, vibe the, of this song. Yeah. You know what I mean? It sounds like there's a there's a dude uh, with a, a hunky dude with a little cowboy hat doing a magic mic routine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my you know God. what I mean? Like it has that feel to it like <laughs> Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? You know, it's like at the at the Maelstrom Club. You know what I mean? Dancing yeah, with the ladies. You He's know, got the one foot up on a bale of hay. Right. <laughs> I guess, but man, I, I'm just. I, I did quote a few of the lines on this one too. You know, mm. just picturing someone stripping while they're thinking. Sometimes it's like someone took a knife, baby, edgy and dull, and cut a six-inch valley through the middle of the skull. And night, I wake up with my seeks with my sheets soaking wet, and a freight train running through the middle of my head. Only you can mm-hmm. pull my desire. See, that's the thing. Like, it, it starts off feeling like it's creepy, it's lazy, and then those lyrics happen, and it's like, whoa, this is not. This is like it, it feels darker than that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. There's an interesting flip that happens there. It doesn't just revel in the, ooh, you know, sexy lyrics. It's just kind of like a, well, this actually sounds like this guy is not okay. Like, and more than just the sort of, oh, Marvin Gaye, oh, I'm burning desire. It sounds like there's actually a problem here, you know? So, yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like cover, like cover me in a way where it's like as a, almost like a coping mechanism. You know, mm, it's like mm. it's like it's like something about that kind of anxious, depressed, neurotic Elvis energy is just so compelling to me, more so than actual Elvis. One other thing I want to mention about this song, you know, there are a bunch of hits from this record, but none of them have like extensive cover sections in Wikipedia. I'm going to give you a short list of the people Ooh. that have covered this song. It's been covered okay. by, among others, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, Tori Amos, Big Country, Sarah Bareilles, John Mayer, Tegan and Sarah, Barry Gibb, Lord, Soccer Mommy, Gang of Youths, Chromatic, Tanya Tucker, and probably any given open mic near you right now. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> this is the kind of song that Jack Antonoff built his entire aesthetic around. Oh, my God. Tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I got to give a personal shout out to Lauren O'Connell, whose cover of the song I'm familiar with. They did a really great cover on it on one of their I think it was the first covers album if anyone's heard that one but yeah that that, that is a stellar lineup genre spanning lineup even yeah with fucking it was Tegan so, and Sarah in there yeah it's so interesting for something that has a specific country sort of feeling bent to it but because of that like you know it, it transcends the genres in that way through just how much it like hits on that emotional level you yeah. know 
and I think what some more some some more saying is that like this and Dancing in the Dark are like the two like least band Eve songs on the record. Like it's ba- like this song is basically just like him on guitar and synths and then a bass and a drum and that's it. And then uh later on on Tunnel of Love, that's when he actually like ditched the E Street band entirely and it was just like him and a producer. That fucking howling at the end of I'm on Fire is like my favorite part of the whole album. Yeah. Oh my god! Just echoing. It's so great. And then, okay, no surrender. Th- this was the. Hey, I feel like I've heard this before. <laughs> is this is this born to run too? This is bad out of hell by Meatloaf. I'm not even kidding. If you <laughs> yeah. listen to the opening, and it just kept throwing me off. You know when people do these rhymes where it's like there's there's two syllables and the first syllable rhymes, but they didn't really meet the rhyme with the second syllable and it's one of those things where like you could have done a shadow vowel with it but they didn't so he's like like brothers in the stormy night with a vow to defend no retreat baby no surrender and it's like Ooh. Uh, uh, yeah uh, i never even like, thought about that like why didn't you say like it, it, it's like my brain feels like you need to say defend uh, like you need to you need to lean in because like there has to be well, an uh there you said surrender like what well it, it, it's, a, like, it's because there's that slight pause at the end it's like no surrender like the end hangs a little long that the just urge just kind of fades right. out it just I know what you mean though right for me I, I pulled an RC on this one. I listened to the album once at work in full, and then I listened again when I got home, and I was able to follow along. Now, here's an aspect of the album, or this song specifically, that I did not pick up on when I was at work. I did not pick up on the fact that this song is about, like, a childhood guy friend. I thought this is a heteronormative guy girl couple song so when i go to genius Mm -hmm. i know where you're going with this and i see that this is one of two songs on the album that potentially have a uh queer coding to them Mm. i wasn't uh i I was a little surprised be like yeah um I did not notice that he was singing about a a dude friend here. What's definitely true about these songs, uh, Bobby Jean in particular, uh, is that they're about Stephen Van Zandt. Uh, right and and uh because uh, no because they kind of grew up in the music world together he was an early member of the East street band obviously and then uh around this time uh steven was actually leaving the band for for a mm. bit he would uh you know the band would reunite in the late 90s but for at this point like there were kind of some power struggles in the band he felt like he wasn't having enough of a say by this point and so born in the usa is almost like a train a transitionary album uh, from Stephen Van Zant to Nils Lofgren, and then later on it would just be both of them, and that's why there's 17 mm. people in the band now. Um, wow, yeah. Yeah, uh, but uh, with these songs, like, you know, that subtext has been brought up, and I feel like, I think that he said that the name Bobby Jean is intentionally kind of uh, gender ambiguous, so you can kind of fill it in however you like. He's never explicitly said that there is like a queer messaging to it, but he just kind of wanted it to be something that could go either way. I do have to say, I fucking love this song. This, this is that. Yeah. Yes. This is what I wrote. I was like, yes, give me that Billy Joel energy all day. 
<laughs> that sweet throwback. It sounds like it's really about someone he really misses. Like it hits in the musicality as well as like in little key lyrics that makes it sound like, oh, that, that sounds like that's about a specific person. You know, that sort of feel, you know? This was the one that to me sounded the most like Born to Run era Springsteen. Like it had that full band heartfelt instrumentation, especially with like, like the twinkling pianos. Mm-hmm. Very much reminded me of that. It was the line, we like the same music, we like the same clothes. Yes, and I was like, that line, I was like, hmm. oh, Prince, we're going for Prince song right, right, right now? <laughs> if I was your girlfriend, let me pick out your clothes. <laughs> All right. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't putting any blame on him or shame on him, obviously. I mean, coming from me especially. Just, but just like, noting, just noting, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, know, you pick up on those things. The handshake meme between him and Prince in 1984, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> And of course, I also have written down, yes, blow big man, because he fucking comes through again on Bobby (laughs) Jean and fucking kills it. I'm going down to me as the weakest cut on the album. Yes, uh, I wrote down. It was one of the hits, though. I can't believe that. How fucking repetitive and irritating this going down, down, going down. I was was so annoyed by it. I, I felt like the verses definitely gets you into the unsatisfiedness of the relationship. So, like, I could still get what the point was, especially how that first verse pulls you in to the, like, oh, you're not happy and I'm not happy. And then when he gets into the second verse, like, yeah, but every time we go somewhere at the end of the night, we're always arguing. So it's like, I got that. But, yeah, it just it felt a little too monotonous to really, like, have me feel the emotion. You know what I mean? It just kind of got me, you know, the feeling of, like. Uh, no, you did a good job at making me not feel like I want to be here in this moment right now, you know? <laughs> and, and the fucking scatting? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, this ain't helping, dude. I don't really need this one. I kind of appreciate that it's almost like kind of a similar subject to Downbound Train, but just in more of a kind of a silly, goofy mood about it. Mm. So I can appreciate it on that. that level, but it is definitely one of the more kind of just strumming along kind of kind of cuts yeah. on here. I can give you that. WrestleMania just passed th- this past weekend, and what they typically do before a main event is they normally have, like, a cool-down match. I'm going down is kind of the cool-down to me, <laughs> I feel like, because they just kind of know it's going to be all killer, no filler from here on out, and it's just going to, like... I could not believe, because I'm, like, not super familiar with this album, I was very shocked that these three songs were the last three. I was like, you saved these three for the fucking very end? Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> Starting with Glory Days. Yes. Which is oh, such a fucking strong hit. And I gotta give a little bit of personal uh, history with this one. Uh-uh. I don't know if y'all did this in your respective middle schools or whatever, but I, I told the story about my... Uh, elementary school graduation and that we ended up singing wind beneath my wings as part of it (laughs) for for a cousin of mine they all as a class sang glory days (laughs) that does not make sense that's not a song for a school to sing no no this is the song for you to look back on the tape in 30 years and be like those were my glory days (laughs) yeah like i'm looking back on my glory days as like a young teenager, oh, like, geez, what the fuck? Didn't peak. <laughs> Peace in fourth grade. Yeah, I don't understand. It's very odd to me. It's just like, we're in school. Well, they split up. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, this is another one of those songs where, like, it's been played on the radio. Like, oh, this song has been played to death. I remember that beginning. Bah, 
this really bright sound and sense right but man it's like by the time you get to the end and the you hear like how much heart is in the verses and how it really does like and it really does give you that sort of like flip of like it it isn't just allowing you to just enjoy the moment it is kind of like poking himself and being like ah all oh, these wonderful glory days that no one gives a shit about but you old man you know it's like it's a little bit of that bittersweet like poking there you know it's just like ah you know you know you know no one cares about this but you but you know what matters to you it's like that little bit of like emotion emotional complexity that it gets in there that's really interesting you know and it's also got to be acknowledged that, like, okay, I've seen the point brought up by a couple friends in recent times that, like, the 80s were this one time when these, like, you can have these doofy middle-aged dudes as pop oh, stars right. and no yeah. one questioned it. So, like, you know, these are the other people having, like, these blockbuster years in 1984, your princes and Madonnas and stuff. They were, like, you know, my age now at, at most, probably. Um, but, you know, Bruce making this, he was, like, 35, He's able to just shove a song with lyrics like this that are just this midlife crisisy, but smart about it, right? Uh, right. And and in a, do it in a way that's not punchable. There's a missing verse of this song that appears on some live versions, but he cut it last minute because it didn't really fit the whole high school theme. Mm. And may, maybe this could shed some light. Uh, so it went uh. My old man worked 20 years on the line and they let him go. Now everywhere he goes out looking for work, they just tell him that he's too old. I was nine years old and he was working at the Matuchin Ford plant assembly line. Now he just sits at a stool down at the Legion Hall and I can tell what's on his mind. Glory days. Yeah, going wow. back. Glory days. Ah, uh, he never had glory days. Glory days. Jesus. Jesus, oh, Bruce. Man. Yeah. Don't hurt him. <laughs> this type of song can be enjoyed by the conservative sports dad who's just like, oh, just thinking about his glory days, whatever. But it can also be enjoyed universally by, like, just in general, people really having that genuine moment of, like, oh, wow, you know, like, yeah, I'm an old fart now, but those are fun for me. Like, it really gives you that, like, it doesn't just limit itself with how well it executes its premise to just the type of people that you would stereotype as listening to this type of joint, you know, in the sports bar talking about how, oh, if only I could, uh, you know, get my right shoulder back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I mean, that's that's how you get you get like, you know, anytime Bruce like does something with Obama or like makes some statement about or like puts out a song about police brutality or something like and people get like shocked you see these facebook dads i miss when bruce springsteen wasn't a lib and political <laughs> and like when he was just about the good old american stuff and i was like you this this is like this is like when people comment on rage against the machine stuff but like for old, rage old, for, for the like machine yeah oh and also i mean like he's worked with tom morello a ton by the way have they never heard 41 shots yeah, I was. Thank you for bringing that Fuck song sake. up. Yeah. That's all I need. Like, how could you act like he was never political when that's sitting right there? Like, the thing is, like, on, because man. you didn't notice. That's the thing. You didn't notice, and you were happy when you didn't have to notice. And now you have to notice. And instead of like having the moment of, oh wow, maybe things are deeper, it's just like, no, why can't I go back to not having to notice again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think like on, honestly, like even on this album specifically, like Goatman, if you're listening, um, I yeah. think that uh, "Darkness on the Edge of Town" or "Nebraska" are the albums where you're gonna put where lines, where verses like that are gonna be a lot more frequent and in your face and hard to ignore. Just like the existential capitalist dread 
of having to be ground through the, like the working class system. Like, like he, like here, like again, this record, he's kind of Trojan horsing it. There's times when he's uh, more just like upfront about it that are harder to ignore. And a lot of those songs weren't hits. Hmm. Yeah. I, I just think it's kind of funny that he's called the boss. And yet his songs are all about dismantling the uh, workplace. No. <laughs> you <know>? Honestly, he, <laughs> honestly, he only, so he, he only called himself that in order to like, make it clear that like you guys are, are, are the backing band. I'm making the decisions here. And at some point, Steven Van Zandt just kind of got, got tired of that and then eventually was like yeah okay that was a stupid decision for me to leave yeah okay i'm gonna come back mm. and play stadiums dancing in the dark dancing in the dark let's just move on to those last yes, two dancing in the dark. oh fucking hell uh yeah hell yeah the fuck do, 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 do. that low-key synth humming along fucking smash it's such a low-key just fucking it's it, not even low-key it's just the way it just hums along that little synth i love it so much that little synth that could and then the lyrics the you can't start a fire working out your little world falling apart this gun's for hire even if we're just dancing in the dark the way it just flows so naturally into that thing and i just want to say this much like there was an earlier track i can't remember what it was there's one point where his voice goes too far where it's like his voice is demanded to go too high on one of these tracks and i can't remember which one it was but i remember it just being like ooh, it just so cracks so hard that it's like oh i don't know if we can do a whole album of this but it doesn't do that for too much on the album it's just like that one track and i can't remember i can't freaking remember which track it was but I remember it's some song in here where I remember just being like, oh, oh, no, is he going to be able to do this the whole album? But I think it was just like it was just so high in his register that it just kind of like it just cracked right at the edge there. But um, but not on this track. This track is fucking money. Uh, <laughs> I do want to quote another thing from Genius here. Guys, I promise I actually knew things about him while looking through before looking through Genius. <laughs> I, I, I listened to his autobiography. It was 16 hours long. Highly recommended. I kind of wanted to narrate my life. That's a whole other situation. But anyway, producer John Landau thought the album lacked a guaranteed hit, which for this record, Jesus, and pushed Springsteen to draft one more song. The two got into a brief altercation, after which Bruce wrote Dancing in the Dark about his, quote, difficulty writing a hit single and his frustration trying to write songs <laughs> that will please people wow <laughs> holy so shit and of course <laughs> and of course now you get like he's this like mid-30s pop uh you know guy making his big pop move and he's like want to change my clothes my hair my face <laughs> this is the best example of being able to cram some like real shit but in a very accessible way like yeah. It's it's relatable, but it's also like things are obviously rough, but they're not too too rough that it's like turning people off. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. but musically also, it's just such a fucking bop, and just how fucking loud the drum, like the snare for it yeah. is that, that gated ass <laughs> snare running through this record. Ooh. Oh my god! And also. Um, there's a lot of lines where I mean Springsteen is great singing along shit, but like there like there's a lot of quintessential sing along lyrics where you shout along with it. Like um, "Strap your hands across my engines" is a good yell yell line, mm. but fucking they say you gotta stay hungry. Hey baby, I'm just about mm. starving tonight. Is like, how mm. can you not? Mm. You gotta. Yes, can I just comment real quick on the album cover? Is that supposed to be a hat in his? Back pocket. Yeah, it's like uh, the the I think it's like the bill is tucked into the pant pocket. 
Yeah, I was always like, where is that? How are they doing that? <laughs> As a yeah, kid, I always thought it was a whoopee cushion. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was either like a whoopee cushion or just a really weird yeah. big rag. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's, it's like someone played a prank where like they, they put crazy glue on the whoopee cushion and now it's stuck to him. Yeah, yeah like, you know, you don't know any better. It's so weird, these 80s, like, albums I feel like we've been coming across where it's just, like, they're, they're very simple and iconic. And then there's just, like, this one little thing that you notice, like, what is that? What is going on there? Like, with the Aladdin yeah. Sane tear, like, what what was that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess if you, you just sit on the hat enough, like, I, I, did you just forget you had a hat in your back pocket? Right. You're sitting like, on the hat. Like, he's posing, and, and, like, they're taking a picture, like, does he know that's there? All right, okay, he's the yeah, boss. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, my hometown. The closer, Fantastic yeah. way to end the album, I think. Another hit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you, you could have picked a better song to end it either. It's just so yeah. fucking chill and low just, key. Ugh. But the way it, the way it encapsulates the love for and the disgust with where you're from yeah like mm. and then like it, seeing it change and it's like you know what i'm saying and having that wishfulness like, it just captures so much emotion in these like four minutes of the song that it's just like god damn it okay i get it like after this song i was like i get why people love this motherfucker like you know like why there he represents is. that exact hometown hero shit like okay you got it <laughs> you know with the vibe of it, it's almost like an unintentionally kind of mundane ending because he's running through all this, like, economic disparity of the factory laying off people and, like, you know, a lot of fights between the black and white. And then he's just and, and he just ends it by, you know, sitting his son up on the car and just saying, this is your hometown. And, it, and he doesn't and he doesn't repeat it four times. He just says it the once and then just lets it ride out. Yeah, like, because like after all of the emotion that you've been given, and now it's like here's this passing on to this next generation. It's yep. just, oh man, they, like it's not he's not it's not overbearing about it. It's just yup, yeah, that's you know? what it is. <laughs> it's what it is. And, and he does he does the same thing in Born in the USA that I love too, where the 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 structure of the verses, uh, like the the lines in the first verse. It has like the four full bar, the four bars, mm. and then in the, the second verse, it's just like you know, um, they're still there. He's all gone. Then you just hear the mm-hmm. nah, 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 nah. like because there's he's not gone. a fourth line. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh Jesus. Man. Yeah. It just lets the music. It just lets you sit there with it. It's like God yeah. damn, dude. Of course, so we do. fucking good, Bruce. We'd be remiss to not mention the most important part of this song, which is that the 45 mm. of it, the B-side, is his cover of Santa Claus has come to town. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. <laughs> hey, Clarence, you've been good this year. Santa's going to give you a new saxophone. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I have that 45 for that exact reason. <laughs> I love that fucking song. Hey! <laughs> hey! Oh, it's Christmas time. Like, of course it's Christmas time. He's so surprised. <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh shit, what month is it? We've been touring a lot. <laughs> Yo, boy, what day is today? I'm not too late. Oh my god, oh, I do want to comment really quick at the end, at the tail end of Dancing in the Dark. Just a little kudos shout out to the sax that sneaks in like ever so slinkily at the tail end. Like it, it just, like it feels like it just comes up, y'all mind if I do a little bit for this song? <laughs> I like, do just love that Bruce just yells, hey baby, to no one in particular. And then the sax just, sneaks in. He's obviously calling, calling Clarence over. He has to be. 
He's yeah. not shouting to Courtney Cox. She's not in the studio. It's just the music video. <laughs> we don't She's know that. She's not there dancing. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You're right. Uh, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't listen to the autobiography, but uh, were you going to say something else about Santa Claus coming to town? I hope so, because I love that fucking song. I was going to say funny enough. So, RC, you are familiar with this version of Santa Claus coming to town? No, I am not. Oh, How did you okay. not heard that? Oh, my God. Uh, I'm missing a piece of Christmas uh, ephemerar. Damn it. I was going to say that, like, if you want a taste of what, because that that was that live version was recorded in 75. So if you want what 70, what, like, Born to Run era Bruce sounds like, that's a good taste of it. D- during Christmas time, specifically. Yes, obviously. With there a are not many bell. Christmas songs I actually enjoy and looking forward to hearing on the radio. That's absolutely <laughs> one of them. Step into Christmas, Elton John. That's a great one. Father Christmas by The Knack. That's a great one. Good mm. April conversation right now. Who did that one? The Kinks? Uh, uh, what's that one what, song wait. that Todd introduced? Uh, uh, bah Humbug, that's all right, but this is my favorite. Holiday. The Waitress oh, is. Yeah. Iconic that's like rapping. The, that's like the modern Christmas song right there. That, I mean, modern. And then the Spice the, Girls did a cover of it. Uh, really? I, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> but I, mean, I, I can in, hear it. I can hear it. I mean, yeah. modern in like the Scrooged way where it's like, Oh, Scrooged is like not really modern anymore, but it's like the most relatively like it's like the generation removed relative modern uh, uh, retelling of the Dickens story. You know what I'm talking about? The Bill Murray Scrooge where it's like it's like there isn't a more modern version of that retelling that has been made that has gotten as big as that one. But because it's in the 80s, it's kind of like not really that modern now because like, you know, TV doesn't really have that much control over, you know, the right the masses. But but it's still an interesting sort of time capsule. You know what I mean? Father Christmas is the kinks, by the way. I had to double check that. Yes. But yeah, um, Springsteen and Santa Claus is coming to town. Arcee, you need to do yourself a favor. You need to hear that. You need to it listen to like the Randy it. Newman song. Please. Uh, I've got some homework. Well, is there a video of his Santa Claus is coming to town performance? I don't th- I think. I think it was just audio recorded. I could look that up. God damn it. I, I have a, I have well, what a I will say- picture in my head. What I will say, I do, I mean, you might just be thinking of the single cover from my hometown. I do love the implication in that intro spiel that the audience is probably all get all going on the naughty list because they didn't cheer loud enough. What would y'all rate this? I want to hear what you guys think first. I walked away with a four out of five. Me too. Four out of five. Yeah, solid four. I think it's not a surprise. I'm a little higher. I'm, I'm at that 4.5 level. Um, yeah. f- now, I will say five out of five is a very exclusive club for me. I feel like our rating systems are weighted a little differently. Like there's like mm. maybe 10, 15 albums ever in my perfect score <laughs> club. But Born to Run is is one of them. Um, mm. But yeah, this is yeah. definitely in, in the top tier, unquestionably. It's yeah. Cool 4.5. Nothing to shake your head at. Absolutely yeah, not. Yeah. yeah nothing to sit solid. on your ball cap about. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to whoopee cushion about. Nothing to uh <laughs> No. Nothing to blow big man at. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> uh we want to thank you greatly for spending your time with us this week. 
listening to going off with special guest, uh, fully involved Mark. That feels weird. Should I just like say your name or is that what you'd yeah, rather? The branding is, uh, is inconsistent because like, you know, I, the music project is fully involved. The handle is fully in places is fully involved Mark because that's the name of the project. And then my name and then Mark Berman is like my name that I would like put on like credits and stuff. And then Mark from fully involved is what fits in the character limit on the TikTok screen name. And so it's kind of just like a bunch of like a dozen permutations uh just search fully involved uh, mark on places and you'll find something eventually and if you just want very specific classic rock memes mostly though i do listen to new stuff too uh like for example i've been going all in on beach boys memes recently where i sold a bunch of oh, stickers yeah. that where i sold a bunch of stickers that say mike love fucking sucks in the uh, pet yeah. sounds font <laughs> Uh, and I put out like this batshit five minute theory about a 77 album of theirs. It's a whole conversation. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. But, uh, I also put out a, a, a Bruce thing while, I, while this album was on my mind, I put out a thing related to his song Atlantic city from Nebraska. Uh, <laughs> yes. And these memes are all like kind of low effort when you actually look at them. But like the more shit posty they are, the more likely they are to, you know, actually go somewhere. So, you know, how the Internet goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And of course, I got a back sell uh, are going off uh, Kofi, K-O-F-I dot com yes, slash going off for all your album request needs. Uh, Patreon.com slash rap critic if you want to see the new episodes. And I I'm also uploading a playlist now, exclusive stuff. I just did the Weird Al best of uh, his parodies chronologically. So, you know, I put them in order Ooh. of Ooh. like, you know, when the original songs would come out, as well as doing like his original songs. Because I feel like Weird Al doesn't get enough, you know, respect on his name for being, you know, a comedy Preach. person who's able to, you know, still make uh, uh, such great, you know, art with it, you know. Uh, and, and as well, it's like the absolute best of. So it's no None of the none of the stuff that was like oh that's kind of funny you know like no this is the absolute best if you showed this to your friend this is what would get them to laugh type of shit you know like yeah. when, when i'm the in curator mode i go hard you know what i mean so listen i i was at the ill-advised vanity tour last year you're preaching Ooh. the choir right now you know what i'm saying <laughs> i wanted to go to a tour date but i didn't end up going to see it i wanted mm -hmm. to go oh uh, i'm coming up I, on 10 years on a release yeah, I, I, sh I should say for the record, I didn't really give like a straightforward plug. Uh, TikTok, uh, yeah. Twitter, uh, at that handle, fully involved Mark. Or I put out a single in 2021, and there's going to be another one coming up. I got a record coming up under the name Fully Involved. You can look that up on nice. on whatever streaming place. Um, and that that is the more streamlined version of the plug that I should have said five minutes ago. <laughs> okay, carry and on. All, well, and all your links and everything are going to be in the description anyway, yeah, so yeah, if awesome. people want to scroll down for on either Spotify or YouTube, you'll, you'll be able to see all those delicious links. Oh, and for my specific, yeah, requests, if you want to do song requests or album stream requests, uh, Kofi.com slash rap critic, as well as, you know, movie requests and new rap album requests, specifically new shit. So, you know, that's how we delineating it. Uh, so get with it. Act like you want it. That's the end of the podcast. I'm on like fucking 4% on my phone. We got to end this. <laughs> nice. Folks, it's going off. And we will catch you again next time. But until then, for going off, I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic, and... Was I, was I supposed to say, and I'm Mark, like... I kind of wanted you to, but I definitely should have told you that. Yeah, let's do it, let's do it, uh... That was uh, my mistake. Yeah, let's do it, you, you... Alden Hughes, I can't sleep and dream about it. There, I said it. Yeah. I said it once in this. <laughs> all right, all right, let's go. Uh, until next time, before we're going off, I'm Muse. I'm Rap Critic.
I'm Mark. And you're an American, eh? Well, then who's the president of the United States? Oh, uh, it's that game show guy, uh, 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 Bob Barker? <laughs>